If you are just joining us, this is the Olajide Wale LLP podcast, and we are discussing World Intellectual Property Day 2019 with the theme Reach for Gold, Intellectual Property and Sports. My name is Sandra Oyewole. I still have with me my colleagues Samuel Salako, Muiwa Wumweru, Abisodun Adewali, and Sholakwe Peters. Following from our discussion in episode one on the role of PPP in the sports industry, I wanted to bring it back to you, Sholakwe. Now, infrastructure and sport is huge, whether we're talking about training, facilities, sporting arenas, pitches, etc. And we have a whole range of sports, from basketball to boxing to tennis, even golf. With your own expertise and experience, can you talk us through how PPP can help with the infrastructure and facilities of development within the sports industry in Nigeria? You know, I would start by saying there needs to be a clear visibility study that's done regarding sporting venues and arenas. And I say that because before you decide what your focus as a government should be, there needs to be a a needs analysis that's done. And once you've done a need analysis, then it's, it's clear what sort of private sector investment you're looking for and how best to utilize the private sector. You know, let me just throw out some stats here. Mm. Lagos State is regarded as the seventh largest economy in Africa yes. and it's the third largest city in the world. Yes. By the very definition of a mega of a mega city, Lagos is a mega city. I mean, our population is estimated to be 24 million. And if you consider that, and you consider that some of our, if I, if I think of the national stadium now, it has a capacity for less than 50,000. And in comparison to Wembley, which has capacity of over 90,000, mm-hmm. it paints the picture of what the deficit is in terms of facilities that we need to bring up to scale. Now, in terms of what the government does, social infrastructure is what you'd consider sports as. And the government absolutely needs to improve on social infrastructure facilities because it's all about inclusion. It's about inclusion of the the citizens and it's about improving facilities and it's about job and wealth creation within the state. And if the government moves away from a traditional view of just looking at independent power plants and housing and all these essential social infrastructure, and focuses on another revenue stream, it's mind-blowing what can happen within that sector. It's really interesting. I mean, the matter of funding for the business of sports, sporting events, etc. Recently, it was the 50th anniversary for the late Israel Adebajo. He was the founder of one of the oldest, if not the oldest, football club in Nigeria. And I'm talking of um, Stationery Stores Football Club. One of the things that was said in the article to commemorate his death was that he used that football club to promote his company as well as to sell his company's products, showing how you can use your club to generate money. This leads me to branding, sponsorship, licensing, management of your intellectual property, because we are, after all, talking about the World Intellectual Property Day. So, Abisodun, can you talk us through a little bit about how Nigeria, its sports clubs, its athletes can leverage on their own brand in terms of licensing and generating income or revenue, as it were. Revenue from sponsorship, branding and licensing continues to be a vital source of funding for sporting events because they help to offset the cost of organizing these events. 
Branding, sponsorships, and licensing, their core aspect of trademarks, which is an arm of intellectual property. Yeah. Trademarks is concerned with preserving the value of and the goodwill that's attached to a business. For you to be able to harness the benefits from this sectors, a business would need to first realize and identify its core sector and build value around its name, its business, and any goodwill that's associated with it. Once you're able to do this, your target market will be able to affiliate the brand with the business and the product that it produces. And once you gain momentum from this, other brands would want to leverage on that to promote their business and their product. So that's in a nutshell how branding is structured and helps to grow the business. Then coming back to live examples of how this has helped the different sports, there are different ways in which branding and sponsorships can be structured. With sports, you can look at it from the angle of the support for the league or the organizers of the event, mm -hmm. where a brand would invest or seek to partner with the league or the organizers of the sporting events. You could also look at it from an angle where the brand or the corporate entity supports the clubs. Those are the participants within the different sports. And then finally, the corporate sponsors or corporate entities choose to partner with the talents that are involved in the sports. That's when the talent has been able to develop or harness their personal brands. There are different forms in which this branding and sponsorship can take. The instances where corporates sponsor the league or the clubs involved. For instance, um, Jumia and Hubmat recently sponsored the West African Netball Club's Open Championship. Yeah. There are also instances where the corporate could choose to partner with the talents. For instance, Anthony Joshua has a partnership with one of the telecoms companies in Nigeria, Globalcom. And this clearly shows the benefits where individual talents build on their goodwill and choose to use that as a form of funding their sporting careers. So these are just instances of where brands partner with either the clubs, the league owners, or the talents to promote the sporting industry. What does it mean to protect the trademark for these sports clubs? So for a club to be able to harness the benefits associated with their trademarks, first you need to have created the mark itself. So when you're launching the business, you create a logo and other paraphernalia that will be affiliated with the business. And active, positive steps need to be taken to police and manage these brand assets. So that ranges from constant monitoring to ensure that the brand and the goodwill of the business are not affiliated or associated with things that you wouldn't like to be associated with. There's also the issue of statutory protection in terms of registration. The Trademarks Act provides a mechanism for protecting the goodwill associated with brands. So, sports clubs can register their trademarks? Definitely, they can do that. Sports businesses can register their trademarks in the first instance for seven years, and then there's a renewal process, and the renewals usually last for about 14 years. Once you do this, you're able to ensure that any unauthorized uses of the brand and goodwill associated with your business can be nipped in the bud and prevented so that you are able to decide and choose what businesses or what partners that you want to affiliate a brand with and use that to generate income for the business. Talking about generating income, I mean, obviously you've spoken about some very interesting brand endorsements of Nigerian athletes. And that brings me to a very thorny issue, tax. 
which we all have to pay. I've been privy to a number of workshops where Muiwa has been talking to us about tax and he always starts off with one thing. I assume here that everyone pays their tax. So Muiwa, there's been a lot of talk about athletes having to pay tax. We're all aware of a case on tax involving a popular former athlete. Tell us a little bit about the tax liabilities for athletes themselves, as well as for the sports clubs and uh, businesses that operate within the sports industry in Nigeria. Do they have to pay tax? Of course, you have to pay tax. Um, when you're talking about tax liability in Nigeria, you have to look at the entity that, that, that you're talking about and the kind of business that that entity does. Now, if it's a company, what would apply is the Company Income Tax Act. And under that act, companies who are into sport promotion, their profit are exempted. So you can have a company set up to promote, say, Taekwondo or any other sport, and the profit that are generated from that business and reinvested into the promotion of the sport are exempted. Now, if you then take out any profit to do something else, then tax liability will attach. And when we're talking about individuals, what would typically apply is the Personal Income Tax Act. Right. What that means is that the person or the sportsman or woman who is deriving income from sports will have to pay his or her whole tax and there's no exception. There's no equivalent um, tax exception that you have under the Company Income Tax Act for sports activities. So there's always a tax liability attached to an individual who is deriving income from sporting activities. So we all have to pay tax, whether you are the athlete or the business. Yes, you have to. Samuel, I'm going to bring the discussion back to you. In the course of preparing for this podcast, one of the things we discussed was the actual value that the sports business is to the world trade. And if I might just quote Ian Bradshaw, who's a sports lawyer and member of the Court of Arbitration, and in his article for the World Intellectual Property Day, he did say that the business of sports is worth more than 3% of the world trade. He elaborated on this when he said that the sums are generated from broadcasting rights, the commercialization of sports image rights for teams and sports persons. There's no doubt that this is big business and a corporate structure is key. I know you've advised on club ownership and the creation of a viable structure that can be part of the business of sports. So can you talk us through this in the Nigerian terrain? Typically, when you want to set up a club, you need to consider how you want the club to run and how you should progress. So you have different um, structures you can look at. But the first point of call is where you actually decide on the structure to adopt, whether it's a business model or a not-for-profit model, will be what exactly are your goals? What exactly are your business plan? So you need to have what is called a development plan. We then go to the structure. So I have an articulated you know, development plan, but then you look at the structure you want to adopt. Is it a profit model or not a profit model? If you're looking at the profit model, you are you obviously you must be looking at um, incorporated entity. But if you're looking at a not-for-profit model, you will be looking at companies limited by guarantee, um, registered trustees, or what of you. If you have a company limited by guarantee, it means that the risk and reward cannot get out of the business. So if you want to run it as a business that's supposed to make profit and you expect returns, you need to set it up as a business venture. Again, this structure also determines financing. Then again, going back to management, which I said, you know, determines everything. Also look at your partnerships as well. How do you partner with the right people? How do you ensure that you write the right skills, write the right personnel to assist you in actually ensuring that, you know, whatever structure you've set up 
the club actually thrives and progresses in that structure. Then, of course, another very critical element is governance. In governance, you're looking at risk. In governance, you're looking at setting up the right committees. In governance, you're looking at contracts. Contract underpins what Abisodo has been saying all through, which is about rights. Then committees, you need to have the right committees. You have to have the right mix and balance of expertise and of skills. Then you have to look at your facilities as well. How do you source your facilities? How do you use the facilities? These are all part of the things that go into club management, but ultimately everything devolves on the sort of structure you have adopted. Taking us through, I know you, you've just provided a high-level overview of the corporate structure, but it just underscores how complex the business can be. And one thing I want to touch on, and this comes from what we've seen at Olajide Oyewale LLP in working in the sports industry, particularly with the clubs, is the level of informality where contracts and agreements are concerned. I'm going to just crave your indulgence, Sholakwe, to ask you to just comment on this aspect of informality where contracts and agreements are concerned. It's absolutely important that with any relationship where you want to formalize how the business will progress, it's important that contracts are put in place. Traditionally, if you consider how all these ideas within the IP space come up, a lot of people who own the rights or who came up with the idea never want to formalize contracts. They just think, you know, it can be as fluid as it needs to be. But the reality is it absolutely cannot be that way. You have to set the parameters for what you expect out of the relationship, what you expect as fees how you want to exit the relationship. So contracts are absolutely key. If I tie it into how we structure contracts with PPPs, there's always this myth that all you just need to focus on is the policy and have a hard contract where there's a lot of responsibility on one side while the other side is cracking the whip. I must emphasize that with contracts, it must be fair and balanced. And even though sometimes you may have it tilt, but even in that tilt to one side, it must be fair and balanced, where each party brings something to the table and expects to take something out of it. Otherwise, it's a recipe for disaster. But where you decide, and it's important that you decide to proceed to contract, the contract terms are clear and unequivocal, so that there's no, there are no surprises. And on that note, I'm going to have to bring our discussions for today to an end. With this podcast, we've touched on dispute resolution and tax. We've touched on finance and corporate structure. We've talked about uh, PPP and infrastructure. And we've also spoken about intellectual property and sponsorship. The business of sports is complex. It's global and there's tremendous opportunity. I'd like to say thank you very much to the Olajide Oyewole LLP team with Sholakwe Peters, Abisodun Adewale, Muiwa Ogunbeinru, Samuel Salako, and of course myself, Sandra Oyewale. Thank you to our listeners. Goodbye.